Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Thermo Fisher's Career Stories Behind the Science podcast. This is a podcast for those who seek inspiration and motivation in their daily work, for those who would like to understand how finance, IT, customer service professionals can contribute and leave impact on the industry of science. Today, we will continue our discussion with Andrea Holitz, who is an accounts payable manager at Thermo Fisher Scientific. How does she always stay positive and what is her secret to get through the difficulties? Let's find out. I think you, you need to, and I'm learning that, I think you need to achieve a level of confidence where you say you don't need to be perfect, you don't need the maximum result, you need the good enough. And I'm, I'm trying to reach that, okay, it's good enough. Some of you may already know that Thermo Fisher Scientific is the world leader in serving science. Our colleagues' mission is to enable our customers to make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. In our episodes of Career Stories Behind the Science, we introduce stories from the team in Budapest. By hearing inspiring career stories, in this episode again, we are ready to go behind the scenes of science. Now, let's start. Just before we continue your career stories, I'd just like to ask a question, which I always say that this is the X Factor type of question, right? So okay. <clears throat> what is your superpower that you bring into work and that you bring into everyday life what is my superpower well actually you just in the break um it was pointed out that i always smile so i would say that's you my do, superpower actually, yeah. that's that's uh uh i don't feel sorry for myself ever for more than three seconds because i don't think i have any reason to so i think positivity always looking at the bright side almost always looking at the bright side of of, of life and having my glass always half full. Mm -hmm. And is there anything that makes you feel down or for that three seconds at least? Whenever I see something terrible happening in the world or, or unfair things happening, not so much in work actually, because this this is work. So it's work, it's it's we do our best and we we make sure that we cover everything just under our scope. But yeah, I, I, I don't like to see for example, all the environmental damage or the um, how many poor people we still have, wars, of course. So those things really disappoint me, but not more than three seconds. I keep going. That's really good. <laughs> Actually, you could teach to me <laughs> and to others as well. Okay, good. So you've been uh, with the organization for three and a half years, yep. right? And you've been in multiple positions and now you're obviously mm -hmm. in a, in a leadership position. So could you just talk us through how the journey mm -hmm. was and how did you get there mm -hmm. and what were the key learnings yeah. throughout the journey? So I actually started in a leadership role. I started as a team leader, a junior one. I had some experience as a team lead from another company, but I have to say that the most I learned here, again, I have to credit, I think, my leadership, all the people who were influencing my growth as a leader. I don't think there's anything better than leading by example. And I have seen very, very good examples before my eyes here at Thermo Fisher. Again, my manager, my manager's manager. And also, also, I think I learned a lot from different team leads, managers from other departments. And probably the, the one thing that is that I, I, I really, I, I remember back and uh, one particular example is that uh, I was when transitioning from team leader to supervisor role, I was really suffering with just the 
the overwhelming number of tasks and new responsibilities and okay it's 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 more more um, just just a lot more to cover i i felt like okay this is too much this is just not possibly something you can do uh, in your work hours and uh, i was getting frustrated stressed out almost to tears and my manager she was super nice she didn't say a word but she left me a handwritten note on my laptop which said one thing at a time also it was you know it was a funny it was a heartwarming message but also i realized okay she's not expecting me to do everything at the same time she's also telling me okay focus on one at a time and then go on to all the rest so why am i so nervous after all because these expectations to cover everything and then be there for everything and everyone it was an expectation from myself toward myself it was never coming from from my leaders mm-hmm. and from a leadership perspective where do you see the biggest differences between mm-hmm. your old team leader yep. role and in your manager. current managerial role to me and i know again cliche but i i believe in that that there's no bigger honor than to to help create other leaders mm-hmm. So I did enjoy a lot when I was a team leader all the all the direct reports all the personal stories all the okay I need you to approve my holiday and so on and so on but being able to raise the next generation of leaders I think that's the the very essence of why I'm here that what that's what keeps me here to be honest and uh, just to share with them what I already know to also learn from them to let them fail and let them learn from that together i think that's that's the biggest difference as a manager from leadership perspective of course that the way uh, you teach and influence these next generation of leaders i cannot think of a, a bigger influence because the way uh, the, the example that i showed them is is exactly how or very similar to how they will behave and how they will Uh, build and grow their teams their team members yeah i'm i'm very proud of of all of them all my current leaders mm-hmm. you mentioned a couple of times that you want to create an environment when you leave space for failure how do you personally cope with failure and and have you or is there any particular case when you felt that you failed and how did you overcome Yeah, very very good question. Well, I'm your typical overachiever. So, I'm I'm the eldest of three kids. Uh, you know, the one the one who always had to perform, always had to get the the best grades because you're showing an example to your brother and sister, you cannot fail. And of course, it's it's, it's still with me <laughs> even though I'm not a child anymore. So, yeah, I personally don't cope very well with failure i'm much better than three years before when i started uh, i think that's due to the just having a psychologically safe team i would say at least within procure to pay because uh, i never felt that if i make a mistake then it's going to be punished so severely that um, you know I, or i never felt that my entire confidence is at stake I try to create the same environment for my team. I try to make sure that they learn from the mistakes because look, they will fail anyway, right? So that's I just have a I have a team lead who just started actually this week and so she's new. She 
uh, has a lot to learn. And obviously, I, I can see sometimes she's, you know, trying to find her space and afraid that she will make mistakes. I told her, look, you will make many mistakes. There's just no no way to get around it. No, you, you can't escape that phase when you are learning and you are making those initial mistakes. Don't be afraid of them. So probably the way I give room for them to make mistakes is because I was always given the same room. That's In fact, that's the first place, uh, I think my first workplace, where I I don't feel that I always have to be an overachiever and be, bring the, the best grades from school because anyway, I will be accepted um, and valued and appreciated even though if it's not always the, the best performance. Mm-hmm. I very well know actually that you're an overachiever, overperformer. So question for me is, if you had to choose, then would you consider yourself as a maximalist or a perfectionist? Would you see any difference between the two? I would say I'm a maximalist, but not by choice, but really by by the way I was raised. And I know it's not ideal because there are very, very few situations where I feel confident with myself and with my uh, results, performance, capabilities. So yeah, maximalist, I would say. Mm-hmm. I would say. Okay. But not. But really, it's not something that I would recommend to anyone. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because. I think you you need to, and I'm learning that, I think you need to achieve a level of confidence where you say you don't need to be perfect, you don't need a maximum result, you need the good enough. And I'm I'm trying to reach that, okay, it's good enough. And where are you on the journey? I'm getting much better. Again, it's good mentors here who, who show me that if you're good enough, that's absolutely what is needed and you don't need more. Mm-hmm. You don't always need to overachieve. Next question, we are resonated or we are connected this. What are the areas or what are the biggest thing that you developed mm-hmm. the most over the last couple of years, especially ever mm-hmm. since you transitioned from a team leader yeah. role to a managed supervisor and to a managerial role? Yeah. Certainly, I never thought I will be this resilient as I am today, or I would say the way I manage everyday stress and I'm highly adaptable to change now and changing circumstances, changing expectations from actually Monday to Wednesday. And that's because of my three years background here. I was not a good candidate for managing change when I arrived. Again, you have to ask my manager some funny stories, how I was really, really uncomfortable for me to even, I remember we were changing seats in the office. So you were still in the office and we were moving from one floor to the other and I was I was I was the one super frustrated about this because I like my place I like my desk I like where I'm sitting why do you want me to why do you want to push me out of my comfort zone and I have had to face dozens of situations in the last 3 years when I was out of my comfort zone I needed to manage change frequent change I needed to manage it not only for myself but for my team I needed them to accept the change and not only to accept it, but to bring the best out of it, whether it's work transition, whether it's a system implementation, uh, whether it's the pandemic situation. So I would say that I never thought I could be this resilient. I never thought I could be managing the level of stress that is reaching me in this position. And yeah, actually, I'm I'm, I'm quite proud of that. Mm-hmm. I reach this level. 
And how do you regain energy or how do you mm-hmm. renew yourself? Especially during yeah. those tough times when there's a constant beat up and, and yep. uh, the environment is really very rapidly changing, both the external and the internal. Mm-hmm. Anything that has to do with connecting with people, uh, sports, sports, but always together. So in groups, also spending time with family. I come from a big family and uh, there's always, you know, someone's birthday to celebrate also with my group of friends a lot of outings so so you rarely find me sitting at home with a book that's not really me i have my moments but but mostly it's connecting with people actually getting energy from them and my other big passion which is really recharging me is travel and uh, (laughs) these days one of my biggest problems that i need to solve is that i have so many travel plans for this year that actually more plans than I have holidays. So <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be a challenge. I was not traveling at all abroad during the two years of the pandemic. And I'm ready to start again. I'm super excited to start again. I also realized that there's nothing to permanently replace that excitement of being some, somewhere else and getting to know other cultures. So I would say travel is probably the single biggest thing that is really giving me new energy and recharging me. And what are your plans for this year particularly? Yes, actually, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Italy. Okay. I'll, I'll be having a couple of days in Tuscany, which I haven't visited yet at all. So that's going to be super nice. But my big love is the US, mm-hmm. which I don't think I'm going to be able to do this year, but probably next year. I, I'm fortunate enough that I have family members living in the States, so... I already visited them a couple of times and I have this this wild ambition to visit all 50 states wow. at some point. Sounds good. Uh, and good. I'm at 19 states. 19. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fairly easy on the East Coast to, to cross like three states in one day. So. Do you have any, any favorite spot? DC, definitely. DC, so right. I'm, I'm a big US history fan. Mm-hmm. So spending a day in DC was like a dream coming true. Great, great. Okay, so we are getting to the end of our time, unfortunately. And uh, we have a tradition on the podcast series, and this is that we ask each and every guest to ask a question from the following guest. So the question you were asked is, and I try and just recall (laughs) from my head, but the essence was that what was the biggest challenge that you overcome during your career? I think it comes back to the fact of being an overachiever and a maximalist. So I would say the biggest challenge for me really was to just reach a level of confidence that I don't always feel I I need to prove and I need to I need to prove to everyone actually. So I don't need to please everyone. I don't need to answer every email 5 seconds after it was sent to me. So it it has a lot to do with confidence, I think. So I just reach a level of professional and personal confidence that I I, I don't feel like I need to do more and more and more. I think that's the biggest one. I'm still on that journey. That's great. That's great. Okay. And uh, what would you ask from the next guest? Okay. So my question is my favorite uh, job interview question, actually. So let's suppose that all the jobs in the world pay the same amount of money. What would you be doing? So money is absolutely not a factor. What would be your work then? 
Okay, so the dream job. The, the dream job, but without the money piece. Money. Okay, yeah. that's a good one. Very, very good one. Okay, good, Andy. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed, and and thanks for for being a guest. And thanks for having great. me. Thank you so much. This was a discussion with Andrea Holitz. Her story is proof we all make mistakes. The difference is how we see the mistake, a learning experience, or a failure. In the next episode, we will have a new guest who will share their career story behind the science. She actually sold me this position that she told me about the company, how the motto is make the world healthier, cleaner, safer. I really like this idea. I could relate to it. Everyone can find inspiration and motivation in their daily work if you look behind the scenes of the bigger picture. Our guest today found that while growing professionally, we can also contribute to making the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. If you liked today's episode, add the podcast to your favorites to make sure you don't miss the next one. Follow us on Facebook or check out the Thermo Fisher Scientific Job Portal to join us in making the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. You'll find the links in the description. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you heard some interesting stories. See you in our next episode of Career Stories Behind the Science. Career Stories Behind the Science were brought to you by Thermo Fisher Scientific Budapest, Hungary. Produced by BrandFizz Employer Branding in conjunction with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Let's look behind the science in the next episode.